Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. All right, guys. So my name is Gabby, if you don't already know me. And one of the reasons I mentioned we need more volunteers is because, you know, you get to see me twice now. (laughs) You know, I mean, I hope you don't mind. (laughs) But. (laughs) Uh, So, wow, look at the weather. I mean, Florida is so bipolar. I think I was wearing shorts yesterday and now I have a turtleneck. And, you know, I was thinking about that and then I thought, That's literally how our minds are. Our minds are bipolar. One minute we're thinking about donuts, the next minute we're talking about faith, the next minute it's our outfits. It's just nonstop. And I have really been sitting with with myself and some thoughts because I want to take my teaching to, I want God to work through me where I can communicate a little bit better, you know, because I understand a lot of the things that I'm already practicing in my life, but it's different when I just know it versus trying to express it to others. And so I've been coming to this realization that we're so focused on the mind, right? We're so focused on what the mind is doing. How do we quiet our minds? How do we stop all these thoughts? And then I realize the mind is doing what it's meant to do. Just like your legs do what they have to do, your eyes do what they're supposed to do, your mind also is doing what it's meant to do. So I want us to shift. And instead of focusing so much on the mind, let's focus on the awareness. That's what we're doing here is bringing our focus to our awareness because the awareness, how you're aware of me right now, how you're aware of even your breath, your thoughts, that's who you are, right? The loving awareness behind it all. So today we're going to focus in on that by letting the mind do what it's doing. And we're just going to bring the awareness in. We're going to focus in on the breath. And we're just going to take a few moments here. I don't want you to think of the centering prayer as something that we're doing. This is a practice. Because true meditation is centering your life in prayer in meditation so that you can live life this way. Not only when you close your eyes and deepen your breath, so that every experience in your life can be meditative, can be present. You like that? Yeah? (laughs) So let's all find ourselves in a nice, comfortable, seated position. Allow yourself to have a nice, tall spine. Allow the eyes to close. And then slowly inhale, nice, big belly. And let's audibly exhale it all out. Again, we inhale, nice, big belly, really fill it up, allow it to go high towards the chest and then vocally exhale, release. Once more. Let's inhale nice and big. Really fill up that belly. And then slowly exhale, release. Allow the mind to do what it needs to do. You now bring the awareness deep within yourself, focusing on the breath, recognizing that with every inhale, We create space within ourselves. And as we exhale, we go deeper within ourselves. We start to let go of all the tensions in the body. 
we let go of the tensions in the mind and we allow ourselves to surrender deep into this peace. We allow God to fill us up with all of his love and we focus on this moment, on this breath, creating more space within yourself. And as you sink, exhaling, you allow more peace, more love to enter your being. Take a moment to truly bring awareness to the breath. Notice how the belly expands as you inhale. And notice as the belly goes in as you exhale. Again, bringing this awareness to the breath, sinking deeper with every exhale. We allow ourselves to go deeper into this peace by trusting that God will be there to catch us, to embrace us with his love, We know that God will never turn his back on us. No matter what we think of ourselves, no matter what we've done, God knows the truth within our soul, within our heart. So you are safe to surrender. You are safe within the home of God's love. Let go of that wall. Let go of your burdens. Allow yourself to sink just a little bit deeper. Allow this peace to fill you. Allow his love to cover you. As you release all the heaviness, all you're left with is the peace and light within you. Floating through the abyss. Let's focus on our breath once more. Inhale, nice, big belly. Really fill up nice and big. Let's hold it at the top for three, two, vocal. This peace that has settled onto you, this lightness, this freedom, this safety, this is your true state of being. Don't allow the illusions of the mind to distract you otherwise. This peace is inherently yours for you are a child of God. When you're ready, take another deep breath, slowly inhaling. And as you exhale, bring a smile to your face. Take a moment to honor yourself as we honor each other for the energy we've shared and as we honor God for all the love that he provides for us. You may blink your eyes open whenever you're ready. May peace and love always be with you. Amen, my friends. All right, good morning, Harway family. How we doing? Everybody good? Thanks, brother. Oh, watch out, watch out. Happy Sunday. How's everybody's week? Chill? Anybody have like a crazy week? One person had a crazy week. 
because they told me before service. I saw another person give a little smirk. So that means there's something going on. That's how it is, up and down and up and down. But there is something that is constant. And that something that is constant is God in our lives. Through all of the ups and downs that we go through in life, God is that constant source of peace and joy and love and comfort and strength. And we come here to learn how to connect to that source of love and joy and peace and comfort and strength and maintain that throughout our lives. Now, before I get into today's message, I want to share a little update about uh, the state of Heartway and where we are as a community and where we are going. And I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I am asking for your help today. So Heartway, we've been doing this thing for about six years, and it's been amazing that we've actually been able to be here in this facility for all of this time. And we've had a wonderful relationship with uh, the landlord and the people who own this facility. However, post-COVID reality for Heartway has been very different than pre-COVID reality. Post-COVID reality has uh, led to a different financial picture for our community. And so as we have... Uh, been in communication with the landlord here about continuing our services and continuing our partnership. Uh, they helped us out a little bit with COVID because of the financial challenges, but now, hey, they've got to pay their bills. And so whoever's here renting space from them has kind of got to up the ante a little bit so that this operation can happen. So basically, they're wanting to double our rent. And that's just something that is impossible, you know, seemingly impossible on the basis of what the financial picture is now uh, to do. So that has left us in, in a predicament. Where do we go? What do we do? So uh, the thought has come about looking maybe for another facility and seeing if we can just continue to do Sunday mornings somewhere else. However, that comes with its own challenges as well. And it's expensive to find places to go, schools, movie theaters, warehouses, that costs a lot of money. And also, it's a lot of manpower involved to, to do setup and tear down, for example, every week. That's something that takes a lot. Like here at Hardway, we're able to keep all this, all this wonderful stuff up. Could you imagine if we had to do this every week, put, put all of this up? It's a lot. We used to do that actually for a while. And some of you have, were there for that. You've been a part of that. And you're like, yes, we don't want to ever do that again. <laughs> you know, so, so we could find another, another place to do um, service, but that's going to come with its own set of challenges. Uh, I've also thought about, okay, what, what if we just didn't do Sunday mornings? What if we did Wednesday nights or something? What if we met on another day? It would be cheaper. We would be able to, you know, maintain what we're doing, even though it'll look a little different. Not everybody that comes on Sunday will come on Wednesday, but maybe we can grow from there. That's one idea. Then I've thought about, well, what if we take the funds that we have left and maybe just go online and create a better experience for people and offer this content and messaging that we're giving to the world through some sort of an, an, an online thing. And we do little social events here and there. The bottom line is, if we were to sign this new lease with, with the landlord here and pay this higher amount uh, based on the money that's been coming in and the money that we've been spending, if we continue to uh, have a gap between those two things, we would only be able to last for about six months of doing this in person. So why am I saying all this? Not to scare anybody or, you know, it's like you've heard the phrase where there's a will, there's a way. Well, it's not my will, so don't get excited about that. <laughs> I, I don't, it's God's will. But for me, it's like, okay, if this is God's will, then God will make the way. And if not, then no. Like, if there's a need and a desire for Heartway, I'm here. I'm showing up because I love it, and you love it. If there's not a need or a desire, then, there's, then that's not there. But I bring all of this up because I'm asking for your help, not just financially, even though that's a big part of it. We are looking for people who, at this point in our community, are willing to sacrifice for the sake of the vision of, of, of Heartway. 
and to go above and beyond to help support what it is that we're doing if you believe in this and, and, and you love this place. Uh, but more than that, too, your relationships. Maybe, maybe you know somebody. Maybe you have an idea of where we could go from here. Or maybe you have an idea of how Heartway could generate more income. Or maybe you know somebody that owns some property and they would be willing to help us out. I mean, the stories that I've heard being in, in, in this line of work for, for, for so many years, it's like, I know of churches that have just been given a building, L literally. It's like, oh yeah, they, they gave it to us. Huh? I'm like, Lord, here I am. Just so you guys know too, like for the first five years of Harway's existence, I was, I was doing this bivocationally. I had a full-time job, you know, and then um, I started taking a salary from Hartway, and now for the last six months, I have a job again. So it, you're not, you know, and that's for the community. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you're not giving to Danny. We're all giving together for this bigger picture. One of, my, one of my brothers is like, Danny, I'm giving, I'm giving like 10% every month of my uh, income. What are you doing, bro? <laughs> He's like, are you doing 10%? I'm like, okay, I will now. Thank you. You know, so we're all in this, we're all in this together. So if you, if you have ideas, if you have any leads, if you, if you feel inspired to, to give big, now's the time to do it as we, as we prepare for whatever the next step is going to be. And uh, let's see where this goes. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's funny because anytime there's any little bit of like, possible concern in me about what the future of Heartway is going to be. Like when I bring it up sometimes to, to, to people, like I brought it up to our leaders and volunteers, like, like I said something to Talon, uh, Andrea, I, I said something to her today. Both of them responded to me like, oh yeah, it'll, it'll work itself out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> like just don't care. Like not worried about it. Like I'm like, yeah, like this is the situation. They're like, oh yeah, man, <laughs> it'll figure it, it'll, you know, we'll figure it out. It's just, it, it ain't nothing. So that's, that's, that's how I feel. And it's inspiring to hear that from people too, because this is God's thing. This is not Danny's thing. It's not Gabby's thing. This is God's thing. And so I know that uh, there is a deep need and, and a place for Heartway in this world. What that's going to look like, how that's going to happen, you know, I don't know. That's not my business. That's God's business. But I'm here for the ride. Okay, so I'm inviting you to get on this roller coaster ride with me and with us. And uh, let's, let's do what we got to do to see this continue to flourish and grow. All right. So now I want to talk to you about who we are as a community. And I think it's important for us to kind of have this sort of conversation from time to time so that you can know what you're getting yourself into while you're here and also so that you can express to other people what we're all about as a spiritual community. And so the title of my message today is Religionless Church. I'm not big on labels. You guys know that. I am not big on labels. However, this is one label that I think can be helpful in describing who we are, what we do, and what we're all about. Maybe you have heard someone say before in conversation something like this. If you want to have good, polite, cordial conversation with other humans, there's two things you never talk about. Anybody know those two things? Re religion and politics. Okay. I've heard the way people talk about politics and politicians. It ain't pretty. Man, they're all about power and greed, and they lie to you all the time. Why are they always lying? They promise you one thing, and then they give you something else. So much corruption that we know is involved with politics. And for religion to be put in that same box as politics tells me at least that something has gone radically off. How could it be that religion, which comes from this deep, primal, human desire to create meaning, to transcend suffering, to connect to, to God, 
How can something that has such a beautiful origin, like why, why, do he, why have human beings for all of history like created religion and done religion? Something that is so, that has the potential to be so good, how could it be that something like this has become what it now is and has been corrupted in the way that it has been corrupted? and has caused the kind of damage that it has caused in this world. That's a question that I think is important for every single one of us to ponder. The word religion literally means to rebind. So the purpose essentially of religion is to bind humanity together, to connect us to one another. And yet religion, when it's misused, when it's misappropriated, when it's misunderstood, ends up causing separation and division, not unity. It ends up doing a lot more harm than it does good. Now, religion in and of itself is not good or bad, but how people use religion can be good or bad. It's the same with like something like the Bible. The Bible is something that can be used in incredibly good and beautiful ways. But in the wrong hands, the Bible becomes a weapon. The Bible becomes a tool to hurt other people and to judge other people and to separate humanity. Anybody ever had to read uh, in school the book To Kill a Mockingbird? There's this wonderful little line in there where, where the author says, the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. Now, I don't know why they're hating on whiskey. That's been my go-to lately, but, <laughs> but you get the point. But you get the point. It's like you look at the person with the whiskey bottle, drunk out their mind, and you thinking, judging that person and talking smack about them. Look at, man, they've wasted their lives. Look at, but the Bible in the hand of a self-righteous person? Woo! The Bible in the hand of a judgmental person is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. So I like to speak of Heartway as a religionless church because we are a spiritual community that seeks to avoid the trappings of religion. It's, it's, it's crazy how if you look at religion from an unbiased perspective, because the thing is religion has, has done so much harm that some folks can only see that, and they say religion as a whole is a problem, and we gotta get rid of it. And they're antagonistic towards religion. I've been tempted to do that myself, so I understand that. But if you try and look at religion from an unbiased perspective, you gotta, you know, the, the scales, you gotta balance out the scales a little bit. A lot of good has been done in the name of religion. I mean, I, I, when I see the kind of work that religious groups and organizations do in the world for the homeless, for uh, the underappreciated, for the widow, for the orphan, for, it's, it stirs my heart. It's incredible. It's beautiful the kind of work that religion has done. And then also, you look at the history of humanity and look at how many wars have been fought in the name of religion. Look at how many uh, people have died in the name of religious ideologies. Look at how much violence has come about in the name of religion. On the one hand, you've got all of these religions producing some incredible mystics and, and saints and sages, the wisest of the wisest, people that we look at and say, wow, God is, is speaking through this human being. And, and also, Religion has produced some of the most hate-filled, condemning people in this world. Religion is a mixed bag because human beings are a mixed bag. Right? There's good and bad, and, and that's just what it is. It's about the heart of the individual. Right? So the way that I see it, and this is, I actually love this quote from uh, Richard Rohr. He says, religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. <laughs> That's crazy. And it's true. You know this. Religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. 
because the religious mind out of its desire to escape its own sense of guilt and shame becomes self-righteous and starts to police other people's behaviors and beliefs and lives. Because what better way is there to avoid your own problems than just by pointing everybody else? As long as we're pointing the finger at everybody else, it's so easy to ignore our own selves. And so religion is one of the safest places to hide from God. So if your religion doesn't make you more loving, more compassionate, more humble, more empathetic, you might as well throw it away. What good is that kind of religion? That religion is all talk and it's no walk. All talk and no walk. So for those of us who look at someone like Jesus and say, this man is a window into the heart of God, our faithfulness to his teachings must supersede our faithfulness to the religion that was started in his name. And Jesus did not come to start a new religion. Jesus didn't come and say, we're Christians now. <laughs> no, he literally did the opposite of it. He did not come to start a new religion. He actually came to reform his own religion, to transform the way that people see and perceive and um, understand religion. And what he taught was that love is the fulfillment of religion. So if Jesus were here with us today, I think he would say if there's ever, if there's ever any tension between love and your religion, choose love. If you ever feel any sort of contradiction between your religious ideologies and beliefs and love, choose love. That is honestly what I think Jesus would be saying to us today. But some of us, we choose our religious ideologies and dogmas over love. We make excuses for why we don't love like God loves because of the dogma, because of the rules, because of the law, because of what the Bible says. As opposed to saying, yeah, I know that this is what it says, but... Me reading it and understanding it like this is causing me to harm other people. So maybe I need to rethink the way that I'm understanding what this says exactly. Right? So this is why Jesus got in trouble when he would heal people on the Sabbath. Because you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, but if there's somebody that's hungry on the Sabbath and I have the power and the ability to feed them, you're going to tell me? That I shouldn't feed them because the law says? He says, oh, you got it twisted. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Love is the primary thing. And if love causes us to go against the grain of the way it's always been done, may it be so. Even if it comes at a cost. Love is the fulfillment of religion. That was essentially Jesus' message. And so... I oftentimes refer to Heartway as a spiritual but not religious community. Religion is the institutionalization of spirituality. Spirituality is the individualization of religion. In other words, religion is about inheriting faith. Spirituality is about making faith your own. And so I want to communicate to you guys today some distinctions, some very sharp distinctions between religion and spirituality. And as I go about sharing these distinctions, understand, yes, I am speaking in generalities. This is not always the case. I am friends with some deeply devoted religious people who see their religion as their identity. I have Muslim friends, friends, we call each other. I have Jewish friends. I have a lot of Christian friends who do the work that I do. And 
some of the most beautiful, humble, spiritual people that I know. So I'm speaking in generality. Sometimes a religious person can be deeply, deeply spiritual and understand the real essence of what this whole thing is about. And there can be spiritual people who kind of have a religious mindset and they think they're better than other people and they have all the information and they're up here and everybody's down here. They're more evolved and advanced. So I'm speaking in generalities. I'm just trying to communicate to you what Heartway is all about by making this, this, these distinctions, but I'm well aware that you can't just fit everybody in these boxes. You understand? And, and if um, religion is a, a deep part of your identity, you know, you don't have to let that go, okay? I think what's important for you to hear from what I'm saying is don't get lost in the, in the external form of religion to the point where you lose the internal core of what it's really supposed to be all about, which is you connecting to God, understanding yourself, and being the most loving version of who you are. That, that's the point. That's the heart of it, to unite, not to separate. So I'm going to go through some distinctions with you. Here's the first one. Religion tends to be focused on exclusivity. Spirituality tends to be focused on inclusivity. Okay, so the religious mind tends to be very concerned with who's in and who's out. Believers and unbelievers, the saved and the unsaved, the good and the bad. And we divide the world in these categories. And we have our side, which of course is always the good side and the right side. <laughs> Duh. And then you have the other side which is the, 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 the people who just don't get it, right? Spirituality is not threatened by difference or diversity. Spirituality embraces difference and diversity. Spirituality is willing to acknowledge truth wherever it may be found, from whoever's mouth it is spoken from. Truth is truth. And so... Spirituality is about seeing the interconnectedness, the oneness of life and humanity as a whole. So instead of dividing the world into different labels and categories, spirituality understands that the essence of all things is interconnectedness, oneness. We are one big human family. There's one God, one humanity, one faith. There may be many beliefs, there may be many ideas about God. There may be many identities that humans take on, but ultimately it is all one. It's interesting because in the scriptures, you see little pockets and, and examples and moments where people are moved beyond their exclusivistic paradigms into more inclusivistic paradigms. So there's a passage of scripture in uh, the book of Amos, in the Hebrew scriptures. And the people of Israel, during this time, started getting a little cocky and proud about the fact that they were God's chosen people. We, we are God's chosen people. And with that came a little bit of pride. They were, they were kind of looking down on other nations and other people who had different customs and practices than they did. And the prophet here... He comes at him hard. Look at what he says. Are you Israelites more important to me than the Ethiopians? Asked the Lord. I brought Israel out of Egypt, but I also brought the Philistines from Crete and led the Arameans out of Ker. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was a Philistine. All right, so the Philistines are the bad guys. They're the enemies in, in, the, in, in the scriptural story at that time for the Jewish people. The Philistines are bad. They don't even have God. All of these foreigners, they don't have what we have. We are the chosen people. This attitude of arrogance, look at how God levels the playing field here. Yeah, I've entrusted you with some things. But you think, oh, you can go back, yeah. But you think you're more important to me than those foreigners over there? Oh, no, no, no. I've been just as much at work in that community as in this community. 
I tr- the way I translate this today, oh, you Christians think you're more important to me than the Muslims? Oh, that's funny. You thought, you thought I was only delivering you? You thought I was only with you? Look at what I've been doing with them. Some of us, we don't have, our, we don't have the capacity to, to even see how God may be at work outside of the bounds of what we believe to be true because this has always been what we thought was true. We were right, they were wrong. We were in, they were out. And we're threatened by difference. There's another passage of scripture in the book of Isaiah. This is really interesting. So this is about a man named King Cyrus. King Cyrus was the ruler of uh, the first Persian empire, which is modern day Iran. And this guy is a foreigner. He is not a Jew. The prophet Isaiah in this passage of scripture starts prophesying about the fact that one day the people of Israel are going to be held in captivity. Okay, so there's going to be a foreign nation that's going to come take over and oppress the people of Israel. And they're going to be asking for deliverance. They're going to want freedom from their oppressors. In this passage of scripture, the prophet says that one day God will raise up a king. His name is going to be King Cyrus. And this man is going to be the deliverer of God's people. Now, I want you to read how the prophet describes this man. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus. Let me stop there. The word anointed, anointed one, also is the word Messiah. So that's what people call Jesus, Messiah, deliverer, savior. That same term. That same title is being used here for this man named Cyrus. This is the only non-Jew, the only pagan, the only Gentile in all of the scriptures who is given this title. That's very significant. And that would have actually been offensive to a lot of the Jewish people who would hear these words. Because there's no way a foreigner in that mindset in that time... There's no way an outsider, a non-Jew, could be spoken of like this. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. So essentially, this is a promise of military victory. This, This guy... God is going to give him military victory and it's going to help the people of Israel. He's their Messiah. He's their liberator. Then he says, for the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. Hold on to that. (laughs) I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none beside me. As this chapter continues, if you want to read it yourself, there's like some pushback. The people of Israel began to think to themselves, this doesn't make sense. How could this be? How could this non-Jewish man be considered to be our liberator, our savior, our Messiah? He doesn't even acknowledge the Lord. He doesn't even acknowledge our God. And the way God is depicted as responding in this scripture, um, who is the clay to say to the potter (laughs) how the potter is supposed to create his art? Were you there at, at the creation of the world? Did you create everything? Do you decide when people are born and where they die? Okay, so you have no right to tell me who I'm going to use, who I'm going to choose, who I'm going to bless, who I'm going to strengthen, who I'm going to be with, just because it doesn't match your picture of who you think that should be. This is is crazy. I love that it says, even though you don't acknowledge me. Wow. Could it be possible? Do we have room? in our theology, in our thinking about God, to understand, like Jesus said, that the wind of the Spirit blows where it wills. You don't determine who God gets to work in or not. 
God's ways are not our ways. Do we have room for the fact that people who don't acknowledge the God that we pray to may actually be closer to God than we are? Y'all, let's, let's move on from this passage of scripture. Yeah. So that's the first. So that's the, but this is, you know, this is, this is difficult. Like for me, as I, I, I remember just that first distinction, exclusivity and inclusivity, that drove me crazy for years because of how rooted I was in, in what I thought was, was the way it was supposed to be, which is, you know, Jesus is the only way. We're the ones that have all the answers. It's very hard to unravel from that. And you don't really need to even. You don't need to if you don't want to. It's like you can, out of humility, still totally believe what you believe about Jesus and understand that maybe I don't have the whole picture. And even though this is the message I live by and that I'm going to preach and share to others, God can still be at work in other people's lives. But it's hard to take this step, I understand. But all you're doing is moving into a greater, greater depth of love, which is ultimately, like I mentioned, what Jesus' message was truly all about. And that's the second distinction I make here. Religion is about fear. Spirituality is about love. So religion, in its unhealthy form, remember, is based on the fear of punishment, the fear of judgment from God, the fear of hell. And out of that fear, we live a life of obedience to God. So doing the right thing under this paradigm, even though there is something beautiful and, and innocent and noble about that heart, in this paradigm of fear, you don't do the right thing just for the sake of doing the right thing. You do the right thing out of obligation, out of duty, because you fear the consequences of what will happen if you don't. What you don't understand is if it's not actually genuine, if you don't get to a point where you do this just because you want to do this, you will grow bitter and exhausted in trying to do it out of a fearful motivation because you're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of hell. And then you start condemning yourself. And then you start judging yourself. And this is the hole of guilt that religion sinks us into that some of us never get out of throughout our entire lives. And in order, like I said earlier, to avoid that guilt, we just try and become as self-righteous as we can and point out everybody else's faults. So there was this Islamic parable that I actually came across years ago. It was about a woman who carried fire in one hand and water in the other. So she carried fire um, with a torch on one hand and water in a jug on the other. And when she was asked why, she was walking around with fire and water. She said, the fire is to consume heaven. The water is to extinguish hell. So that when I do the good, I may do it for no other reason than because it is the good. In other words, my motivation for doing good for being good is not the reward of heaven or the fear of hell. My motivation, my impetus for doing good is not to be noticed or appreciated by other people. It's not to please other people. It's not even to please God. It is the purest of intentions. It is doing good for goodness sake. It doesn't get more pure than I'm not even doing it for a reward. I'm not doing it because God is going to pat my back. I'm not doing it because I'm afraid of something else and I feel obligated to. This is just my heart. I do it because I know within myself that this is the right way to go for me. I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to be kind even when others are not. Because you understand, if you do this for other people, you can... You can handle things in the best possible way. You can be so loving, so humble, so kind, so compassionate. But if somebody doesn't acknowledge that you were doing those things, now what? You're still going to be like that? Are you going to get mad? You're going to get bitter? 
But when you do it just for you, it doesn't matter if you acknowledge it or not. Even if you don't see it, in fact, it's actually better if you don't see it, which is why Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You don't acknowledge, you don't see, it's even better. Even better. I'm not doing it for that. (laughs) If I did it for that, it would corrupt it. It would corrupt it. Goodness for goodness sake, doing the right thing simply because it is the right thing. That's the difference between operating from fear and operating from love. And the scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. Let me read you this quote from Marcus Borg. He was a very popular progressive Christian scholar, deeply influenced my thinking for many years. He says, the Christian life is not about pleasing God, the finger shaker and judge. It is not about believing now or being good now for the sake of heaven later. It is about entering a relationship in the present that begins to change everything now. Spirituality is about this process, the opening of the heart to the God who is already here. Here's the next distinction. Religion tends to be based on hierarchy. Spirituality operates on the basis and foundation of equality. Unfortunately, or whatever the case may be, the mindset of the world has infiltrated the religious mindset in terms of we acknowledge and honor power. We celebrate status. God does not look at the things that we look at. God looks at the heart. And that's the difference. I've been around religious settings where the leaders are wearing their garbs, their robes, and they walk around like this. And those are not, you can wear those. That's not bad. But, you know, you can notice when somebody's taking themselves a little too serious. You know what I mean? When somebody, somebody takes them, themselves a little too serious. And it's very easy to do that. Titles, the titles that we're given. I love it like at my job because I work for Catholic hospice. When I call people or I meet them and tell them that I'm a chaplain, some of them, they're like, hi, Father, thank you for being here. I'm like, Father. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how some people are like just fine with that. You know, like just Father. But... Sometimes the, 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 the titles, the, the titles, they, it, it gets to your head, you know, and even, listen, even in, even in churches and, and communities, oh, this person gives a lot of money. We're going to pull the red carpet for you. You are anything you want. We will do it for you, you know, and now in church, in a religious setting where everybody's supposed to be treated the same, where no one is supposed to be above anyone else, that contrast happens like this because money. We get lost in that. So the hierarchy of religion, Jesus came to destroy that whole thing. Literally this man was, this is why I love Jesus. It's like I've literally I've been I have been running away from Christianity. I can't run away from Jesus. But I I have been running away from Christianity. If you haven't been able to tell by the things that I say, I can't I can't run away from Jesus. This man would go up to the religious people. They called him a friend of sinners as like a diss. You know what I'm saying? This guy's a friend. You're supposed to be this rabbi, but you're 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 a friend of sinners. He's like, yeah. I was with the prostitutes last night. I was with the drunks last night. I was with the tax collectors last night. Oh, and by the way, they're going to get into the kingdom of heaven before you. Now you see why they crucified the man. Really? (laughs) But he obviously, he obviously knew something that most people don't. He was able to see the heart. And there's people who their lives in terms of morality, oh, my God, they're just living in debauchery. But their heart 
is actually pure than the people who live by all the rules. You just meet, if you just meet people and get to know them and listen to them and hear them, you will begin to understand this. So grace, the grace of God levels the playing field completely. This is no one above anyone else. And it's, it's weird, too, because even outside of what I've noticed, too, is like it's not this is not just a Christianity problem. You can't just dog Christianity. Every religion deals with these problems, even the spiritual new age stuff that we see. They in their community, they deal with all these same problems. It's the same spiritual ego that shows up. Here's the next distinction. Religion is hyper-focused on beliefs. Spirituality is a way of life. It's a way of being in the world. So religion tells you the truth. Spirituality allows you to discover the truth for yourself. Big difference. There's a big difference between somebody telling you this is true and somebody pointing you to the truth you already have within yourself. So religion makes you dependent. Spirituality makes you independent. Religion does not encourage questioning and doubting. Spirituality says, burn it all up. Burn it all up. Discover for yourself. That leads to the next one, which is external authority versus internal authority. Religion creates a dependence on external authority. And we don't realize it, but we lose our capacity to actually think for ourselves. We think there's something wrong or bad to arrive at a different conclusion on the basis of our own experience of life. Spirituality is about discovering the truth that arises from your own experience of life, your own human experience. And then you bring those realizations into conversation with the scripture and with what these people say and with what that people say. And then you arrive at your own understanding. But that's, that's the point. It's arriving at your own understanding, not just taking it and believing it because somebody said it. And don't do that for me either. As I talk about the spiritual life, as I talk about what it means to live centered, don't just take my word for it. It shouldn't be true until you experience it to be true for yourself. So try it out. You know, when we talk about surrender, when we talk about letting go, when we talk about faith, when we talk about love, all of, when we talk about questioning our thinking, all of these tools that you're given at Heartway to find and cultivate peace within yourself, don't just take my word for it. You test it for yourself. And until you have come to find for yourself that it is true, in and through your experience, you just hold it as possibly true. Maybe, maybe it's true that I can be going through the worst of the worst and still have peace. That's what Danny talks about. Let's see. <laughs> right now, it kind of seems like, you know, he's talking out of his butt. I don't believe him. This doesn't seem, this don't seem real. That man, he, he's a fraud. I don't know about all of this. Fine. But I'll try it out. Let me, let me try out releasing control in this situation and see how that works out. Oh, and then, wow, really, peace does come when you release control. Oh, my gosh, I experienced it. I know that it's true. You understand? That's the biggest difference. Spirituality points you to the spirit of God in you, the wisdom that you already have in you. This doesn't mean that tradition is bad. Right. Like when I say religion points you to external authority, it's like the Bible, the Pope, the church has always said our religion has always taught that. OK, it's just a blind allegiance because that's what has always been said. That's what's always been true. That's what they told me. Spirituality is about investigating and tradition is good, but. There's a difference between dead tradition and living tradition. Dead tradition is, that's the way it's always been done. This is what they told me. It's true because, because of that, and that's it. No arguing with it. Living tradition says, this is what has been said. This is what has been passed down. 
Also, this is my experience. This is the new information that has been brought to my attention. So I'm going to wrestle with what has been said on the basis of what I now know and experience and see what can come about from this. And you continue to live out the tradition. You, you continue to expand the tradition. You build on what your spiritual ancestors passed down to you. You don't just take it. You know the people that wrote the Bible didn't have the Bible as they were writing it. <laughs> like the Bible as we have it now was finalized centuries after. Centuries after Jesus' death. Centuries after all of those books in the Hebrew scriptures were written. So the people who wrote the Bible didn't have the Bible. They were writing out of their own experience of the divine. Religion is believing in other people's experience. Spirituality is having your own experience. So what if, think it's beautiful that we have the tools and that we have the scriptures and all these tools. But what if you didn't? What if you had to get to know God without the help of anyone or anything? What would you find? And I invite you to try that for a little bit. Like for me, I, I was forced into that because I got earlier in my journey. Now I've come to such a newfound appreciation of scripture and I love it. I teach from scripture and I, it, it brings so much uh, value to my life and peace to my life. But there came a time when I was so jaded by religion and I was so angry towards religion that I couldn't even read the Bible. Because, and also too, like you've heard, you've heard about people who go to college and then like their religion gets all messed up. Maybe they become an atheist because they took all these classes and they learned all these things and now like they completely dismantled the whole thing. That kind of happened to me. You know, it's like, yeah, I've, I've, my academic study of the Bible kind of uh, made me rethink a lot of things about the Bible. And I went through a point where I can only see it through that lens. So when I read the Bible, I was just critiquing. Of course, I had to outgrow that. But because I went through that phase, I had to search for God on my own without the aid of anyone or anything and come to my own understanding of who God is. And lo and behold, as I came to do that, I would read the scripture and be like, oh, that's what they were talking about. I get it. Yeah, I understand. Lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord in all your ways. Got it. Yeah. So don't just take someone else's word and experience. Have your own experience. Look at what uh, this quote says about tradition. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So tradition is not, tradition is beautiful. We honor tradition. But traditionalism is dead faith. When, when we just say, this is what was said, and so this is it forever. No, human beings evolve. And so tradition evolves too. Our understandings evolve too. We cannot be afraid of that. So for me, when I look to tradition at this point and at this stage of my journey, it's not even just the Christian tradition. I embrace what some philosophers call the perennial tradition, which is the universal wisdom, the universal truth that can be found in a multitude of different traditions. There's a thread that you can trace between all of these different uh, traditions that can be understood as the essence and the core of what all of those traditions are all about. And one word that I use for that is love. Love. So this is all about expanding, expanding our minds. The next one. Religion tends to be about rules. Spirituality is about virtue. There's a difference. Okay? Rules are about changing your behavior. Virtue is about changing your character. Look at what the scriptures say in the book of Galatians. The fruit of the spirit, in other words, like the kind of life that is lived when someone begins to center their life in God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you focus on cultivating these virtues, 
There is no need to abide by any law. In fact, sometimes cultivating the virtue of love may cause you to go against what is perceived as law, divine law. As I mentioned with the example of Jesus healing on the Sabbath. A wonderful example of this today is, well, there's a lot of LGBTQ people who feel very hurt and harmed by the church. But the law says this is sinful. And sometimes out of love, you may end up going beyond the bounds of the law because you understand that there's a more important principle at work here. Again, this is a line some don't want to cross. But I invite you to explore what it would look like to cultivate these divine qualities, to focus on a virtue-centered ethic instead of a rule-based ethic. And uh, the next distinction, we're almost done here. This is the last one. Religion uh, tends to be focused on conversion. Spirituality tends to be focused on acceptance. Okay, so conversion means I got to get you to believe how I believe. I got to get you to join my team. You, you, you've got to be saved. You, you know what I mean? Spirituality is like, we're going to appreciate and accept you wherever you are on your journey and not just tolerate you, but maybe even learn from you. What a thought. You know what I'm saying? But we don't realize when we're in the religious mindset how most of our interactions now become tainted by a personal agenda. And we can't truthfully and authentically connect with people on a deep level because secretly deep down inside I'm befriending you because I want to convert you. And it's a noble, it's a divine reasoning that we think is, is good. So our intention is pure and good. But we don't realize how other people feel when they realize that we're just a project to them. You get what I'm saying? It's like, wait, do you really care about me? Or are you just trying to get me to join your club? Fix me. So all of this to say, Heartway is a spiritual community that is seeking to avoid these trappings of religion. In the Hebrew scriptures, God says to Abraham, I have blessed you so that you can be a blessing to other people. Look at this other passage of scripture. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So as a community, that's what we're about. Based on these spiritual principles and values that I alluded to today, we want to be a community that exists to be a blessing to other people. We want to be a community that seeks the welfare of the city that we are in. Because in the welfare of the community, we will find our own welfare. So my definition of church, the family of God doing the work of God in the world. And everybody is in the family of God. We've been chosen to tell everybody else they're chosen too. That's it. The family of God doing the work of God in the world. Church is a verb. It's not just a place you come to. This is a, a way of being in the world. So I like to I'll end with this analogy. Church is like an airport. Okay, the purpose of the airport isn't just to go to the airport, right? The airport, like nobody just goes to the airport for fun. You go to the airport to get somewhere. It's, it's to connect you somewhere. But it's not the end destination. Same with church. Please come. I want to see your beautiful faces. I want to see your beautiful faces. But this is not the point. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't want to set up something here where it's like this becomes your whole life. No, 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 no. You get, you come here to find community, to deepen your connection to God, and then to go back into your life and bring this light with you. The point of church is to connect you to yourself, to connect you to God and to connect you to nature and to connect you to humanity. So if this is what you're about, Heartway is home for you. I want to thank you for being here. I love you tremendously. Thank you for believing in who we are, what we're all about, and this vision. And I look forward to how we will continue to impact the world as we live out everything that we just talked about today. Let me pray for you. God, in this moment, we open up our hearts and our minds 
to your goodness, to your love, and to your presence. We ask you to transform us from the inside out. Help us not to get caught up in the religious mindset that seeks to separate and divide, but that we may understand the spiritual core, the spiritual essence of what this whole thing is all about so that we can embody what it looks like to live in love, to live in truth, to live in harmony, to live in empathy, to live in kindness and goodness and compassion, and to do it for the sake of doing it, not for any sort of reward. May we get rid of all of the agendas we have as we interact with other people. We're not trying to convert anybody. We want to meet people where they are, love them where they are, and learn from where they are. We thank you for this community, for this for this safe space that Heartway is, for all of the transformation that is happening here. And we ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Hey, the people from the multi-faith uh, 5K run are, are, are out here from the Sikh temple. So if you want to say hi, sign up for the uh, event. They're going to be out here in the lobby. See you guys. <laughs>